0: And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts any time you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting Bluehost.com. That's Bluehost.com.
1: From Hollywood, it's time now for...
2: Johnny Dollar.
3: Bert Major, Masters Insurance and Trust.
2: Oh, hi, Bert. What's up?
3: Poor little rich girl in California wants to take out a $200,000 straight life policy on her husband with herself as beneficiary. A lot
2: of dough, but not too unusual, if you can afford it.
3: Effective in two weeks and hush-hush, a surprise.
2: But who'd want us to... why?
3: Exactly. Nice piece of change for the company in commissions or for her in payoff if she's playing that kind of a game.
2: You talk like you don't know her.
3: Name only. Deal was arranged pending through her lawyer in Los Angeles.
2: Hmm. You
3: could be out there in the morning, Johnny.
2: All right, Bert. Who gives me the filling?
3: Our agent out there, Roger Hackey. He'll meet you at International Airport. <laughs>
2: Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. To the Home Office, Masters Insurance and Trust Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the poor little rich girl matter. Expense account item one $280, round trip plane ticket and incidentals, including sunglasses, Hartford to Los Angeles. I arrived, rested, ready, and right on schedule. Also on schedule was Roger Hackey, Masters Los Angeles agent. Who turned out to be a repressed comedian, become insurance salesman.
4: Yep, I said to myself, that's Johnny Dollar, I said. You
2: are Johnny Dollar, aren't you? In person. You Roger Hackey? In
4: person? <laughs> you got the old feel, haven't you? Simpatico, we call it out here. <laughs> uh, have a nice trip? Yeah. Good, good. Airplanes scare me. Don't like being up there in the wild blue yonder. Terra Verma's my dish of tea. <laughs> Slow but sure, they call me. Yeah, well, look. Now, I... if you just follow me, we'll jump in my jalopy, and I'll have you at the Beverly Hilton before you can say happy hooligan. You said. Huh? Oh, yeah! <laughs> well, here we go. Cloud of dust and all that.
2: The ride from the air terminal to the hotel was hot, silent, on my part, and unproductive so far as the case was concerned. Roger Hackey kept up a running commentary on everything from bad actors to the Zodiac. It wasn't until I was settled in my room with drink in hand and shoeless feet propped up that I could get him to switch to the $200,000 surprise.
4: Her name is Cynthia Durbin. Now, how much do you know about her?
2: Nothing. Bert Major said you'd give me the background.
4: Now, she's a strange one. You know what a chameleon is? Well,
2: sure, a lizard that changes color. So what?
4: So that's the kind of a gal Cynthia Durbin is. At least she is now.
2: You're losing me, Roger, begin at the beginning.
4: Now, you're the doctor. As the Siamese twin said after the operation, what's missing? <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: How did you meet Cynthia Durbin?
4: Well, she came into the office yesterday. No call, no appointment. There she was.
2: Oh, what's she like?
4: trim. Real trim. And expensive.
2: Just casually announced she wanted to buy $200,000 worth of insurance,
4: huh? Well, not exactly. She started asking about various policies, you know, endowments, straight life, etc., and how and when they paid off. And she kept giving me the big eye and cross-leg routine.
2: Hmm she tell you anything about herself
4: oh didn't have to i already knew she's practically a fixture in the society section of the sunday papers garden parties opening nights and all that yeah, but only lately her husband peter durbin he's been a public figure ever since they got married about three years ago but she has no no just the last couple of months or so
2: uh, how old is she
4: oh around 25 blonde blooming and gorgeous if figuratively speaking <laughs>
2: i take it she has the money huh <laughs>
4: yeah right he was a well-torsoed movie bit player with a champagne appetite. I see.
2: Now, uh, what about this surprise angle?
4: Well, she came right to the point. Said her husband had just had a complete physical. Asked if his doctor's report would be acceptable. If so, okay. But you didn't sign her up. Why? She didn't give me the chance. What do you mean? All of a sudden, she reached in her purse and pulled out a piece of paper with a name and address on it. Announced this was her attorney. See him, she said. Smiled big and walked out.
2: Did you go and see the attorney? Right away.
4: A guy by the name of uh, Crane Collins has big plush offices downtown, old senior partner type. What did he have to say? Oh, nothing except routine questions about filling out the forms, uh, expediting the procedure, importance of secrecy for the surprise.
2: Oh, why didn't you ask a few questions?
4: Couldn't. What do you mean, couldn't? She was there. Doing what? Sitting back in a corner, all huddled up like a mouse waiting to be pounced on. Didn't say a word. While Collins and I filled out the papers.
5: Hmm.
4: Yeah, she signed them as if they were a death warrant. Went back to the corner and stared at the wall.
2: Now I see what you meant by that comedian remark.
4: Yeah, she's too much for me.
2: Yeah. A leopard can change its spots, too. Expense account item two, $3.25, taxi fare to the offices of Crane Collins. So far, all I knew was that the wealthy young woman wanted a pot full of insurance on her husband. If it hadn't been for the surprise request, it would have been routine. Now it wasn't. And the people involved... One of them, at least, were not routine. I was ushered into an oak panel office high above the streets of Los Angeles.
6: Good afternoon, Mr. Dollar. Mr. Collins. Your card identifies you as an insurance investigator, Mr. Dollar. I don't believe I understand.
2: Cynthia Durbin is your client? Why, yes. You represented this client yesterday in the signing of an application for a $200,000 straight life insurance policy on her husband. Yes? I represent the company. Everything is in order, is it not... Insurance is a, a lot of things, Mr. Collins. A surprise to the insured is one of the things it isn't.
6: My client is adamant in this respect, call it a, a quirk, if you will. You expect a company to issue a $200,000 policy on a quirk?
2: <clears throat>
6: well... How long now, have
2: you known Mrs. Durbin?
6: Since she was born.
2: Then you know her father.
6: Knew him. I am his executor. Uh-huh. Mother? Also Deceased. Both parents died when Cynthia was 17. I was her guardian and have been her legal advisor since she came of age.
2: Was she well provided for?
6: Very. What kind of a man is her husband? Young, about 30, tall, good-looking. No, no, Mr.
2: Collins, not statistics. Your impressions.
6: Ah, He plays an excellent game of golf. Gets along well with people when he wants to.
2: But you don't like him, do you?
6: In this profession, Mr. Dollar, I neither like nor dislike people. I represent them, and that representation is based on fact. Well, in my
2: profession, we go by feel as well as fact. Well, tell me candidly, Mr. Collins, do you think there's anything strange about this request for insurance on her husband?
6: As I said, I deal in facts, not feelings. As a client, she sought professional assistance. Ergo, I supplied it. Where do the Durmans live? I'd rather. Oh, now
2: look, I can get it from any society editor in town.
6: My secretary will give you the information. All right, thank you.
2: By the way, don't tell Mrs. Durbin or anyone else that we've had this discussion. If you do, there will be no insurance issued. Interference with investigative procedure. Fact, Mr. Collins.
6: I understand.
2: Expense account item three, $2.60, phone call. Went taxi to Roger Hackey's office. A neat one-story building in the Miracle Mile on Wilshire Boulevard. Purpose, to borrow Roger's company car. The Durbins lived in one of those colonial mansions out in Beverly Hills, surrounded by curving driveways, spacious lawns, swimming pool and cabanas, all of it enclosed by thick high walls and electronically controlled gates. The mention of insurance on the intercom got me in. Cynthia Durbin was everything Roger said she was. The first time he met her—that is.
5: Please excuse my appearance, Mr. Dollar. I've been swimming.
2: Oh, I—I I, uh, I don't mind at all, Mrs. Durbin.
5: <laughs> really, you shouldn't have come here to deliver the policy. What if my husband had been home?
2: No surprise.
5: You no, know, that would have spoiled everything. Well, may I have it, please?
2: Uh, the uh, paperwork has not been completed yet.
5: What are you doing here? What do you want? Get to the point.
2: Well, just a few questions, Mrs. Durbin. My colleague, Mr. Hackey, should have handled these details yesterday, but he was somewhat uh, rushed.
5: Oh, then there's nothing wrong with... Would you care for a drink, Mr. Dollar? Thanks. The bar's out by the pool. Shall we?
2: She was wearing a bikini and high heel beach sandals, and she led the way. I was hoping it was two miles to the pool instead of the 75 yards it turned out to be. I mixed the drinks, and we settled down in a couple of sun lounges.
5: Ah, those details, Mr.
2: Dollar. Mm, Just formalities, actually. You ought to be the beneficiary?
5: Yes. That was discussed yesterday.
2: Ah, yes, so it was. What does your husband do, Mrs. Durbin? He
5: doesn't work, if that's what you mean. He doesn't have to. I have enough for both of us. Johnny. Yeah. Fresh in my dream please? Oh, sure. Say sure.
2: so tell me, did you ever contemplate divorce?
5: Divorce? Whatever makes you ask a question like that? Well? Of course not. We've had our differences. Minor ones, but couple hasn't.
2: Yeah, I suppose you got a point there. Here you are.
5: Thank you. Johnny.
2: Why did you pick two weeks from today to be the effective date of the policy?
5: Isn't that my business?
2: His birthday, Mrs. Durbin? What? Your husband, the surprise.
5: Well, yes, yes, it is. But all these questions... Want to throw a
2: big party for him?
5: Yes. No, I don't know. Johnny...
2: Your husband would be worth a lot more to you dead than alive, wouldn't he, Mrs. Durbin?
5: Hand me that robe, please. Sure, sure.
2: There you are. But you haven't answered my question.
5: I'm sorry. You, you'll have to excuse me. I have a headache. A terrible headache. Oh.
2: Something was definitely wrong here. A girl of her age should have flared at my questions. Should have snapped back at me instead of blindly running away. Yeah, something was wrong, all right. But I'd seen what I'd come to see. Both facets of Cynthia Durbin's personality. And was one of them actually thinking in terms of murder? My job, find out. (coughs)
1: Two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in
7: a moment. An interesting parallel hit me the other day. When a baby takes its first three steps, everybody is happy and gives a cheer for its progress. The same thing happens when a country takes important steps toward lasting world peace and freedom. That great American patriot, Benjamin Franklin, outlined three important steps in the drive toward a lasting world peace and freedom of mankind. The last and most important of these steps was and is to get the people of the world to talk to each other and to help each other. This is the essence of the people-to-people program that Americans have put into operation all over the world. It has been such a great success that it is beginning to work both ways. Not too long ago in Korea, Tom Lawrence, a yeoman in the United States Navy, lost his wallet on a street in Seoul. The wallet was found by a 15-year-old Korean boy who gave it to his father. The father promptly returned it to Lawrence with nothing missing. Tom Lawrence decided that this kind of honesty should pay off. He visited the seven members of the Korean family and gave them 80 pounds of rice. He then promised to bring the family 50 pounds of rice each month he remained in Korea. The Korean father said, I think this is much more than I deserve. Maybe it was, and maybe it wasn't. But who can put a price on better understanding among the peoples of the world? For through better understanding of each other comes an understanding of freedom, the right of all men, everywhere. And
1: now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the poor little rich girl matter.
2: I sat beside one of the plushest swimming pools in Beverly Hills, alone. I finished my drink slowly. Cynthia Durbin was a strange one, all right, but her actions seemed compulsory rather than natural. If she really was thinking about murder for $200,000 in one chunk, she was pretty crude about it. If she was trying to impress her husband for some unknown reason, she'd selected a mighty offbeat way to do it. If she was going off a rocker, well... The extension phone hung on a post beside the bar. I don't ordinarily listen in on other people's conversations, but this one.
3: Thing wrong, darling?
5: Eric, oh Eric, I I've got to talk to you. Something has happened. I've got to. No, Cynthia,
3: not on the phone. Meet me here in half an hour. But Eric, half an hour? Huh? Here. Goodbye, Cynthia.
2: Hello, Eric. As I strolled to my car, nobody asked me to come back again sometime. Not that I expected it. I parked a block down the street, adjusted the rearview mirror, and got comfortable. A cigarette later, she came zooming out in a CAD convertible and headed my way. I've tailed a few cars in my time, but this kid was either scared silly or she'd learned her evasive tactics from Bull Halsey. I lost her in the first ten blocks. So I drove Roger Hackey's car back to his office and prepared for the horse laugh I had coming. It came
4: lost you, huh? Oh, that's a damn, a real damn. Hey, tell me, do you always <laughs>
2: laugh when you're about to lose the commission on a $200,000 policy?
4: Yeah? Oh. Well, um, uh, what are you gonna do now,
2: Johnny? Who is Eric?
4: Well, he's not a brother, that's for sure. Uh... Oh. I don't know.
2: You know, for two cents, i turn in a negative report and go on back to Hartford. Oh,
4: wait now, you can't do that. This is a big deal. For
2: you, for me, it's a pain in the
4: neck. But you can't turn in a negative report just because she's got an extracurricular boyfriend. You don't even know who he is. And what about her husband? Yeah, what about him? Here, here. I got the dope right here. Today's paper, and it's a good picture of him. Read what it says. Peter
2: Durbin, one of Los Angeles' better amateur golfers, plays out of Silver Oak Country Club where the State Open is being held this week. He's expected to finish in the top... Roger, what time is it? Uh, 4.30. Thanks. Huh? Hey, where are you going? I'm going to try my hand at being a reporter. What? What are you talking about? Roger, I'm going to interview Mr. Peter Durbin for the uh, the Interstate Publicity Press Association. Huh? Expense account item four, $2.40. Cab fare to the Silver Oak Country Club, which nestled in a big ravine north of Sunset Boulevard, some 15 minutes from Roger's office. The last players were coming in for the afternoon round when I got there, and Peter Durbin was among them. I waited until after the radio and TV boys had got through and then caught him in a corner of the locker room. Yes? Who are you? Johnny Dollar, Interstate Publicity
3: Press. I'd like to ask you a few questions, please. Well, I've already given my interviews. Well, sure, I know, but this is uh, feature stuff. Best part of the day. There's the gallery body and stuff like that.
6: Oh.
3: Oh, all right, but make it quick. Yes, sir. Is your wife here? No, she never watches me play.
2: Oh? Where is she now? Well, at home. Where else? But now, see here, don't uh, you... Think... You're playing a great game, Mr. Durbin. You figure you're going to win this tournament, huh?
3: Ah, yes, I think so. McMahon has turned into 69, of course, but I'm still three strokes up on him. I, um, I play a much steadier game than he does.
2: Oh, yeah, sure. This is your home
3: club, isn't it? Oh ah, yes. It's one of the best in the country. Yeah, mighty fine course. You must be pretty well healed. Well, I... Uh... <laughs> That's none of your reader's concern. Oh, I'm
2: sorry. Say, you have a birthday coming up soon, haven't you?
3: How did you know? Oh, well,
2: you're a prominent personality, Mr. Durbin. We keep a file on this sort of thing. On important people like you.
3: Oh, oh I see. Well, sure.
2: I suppose you're going to have a big affair.
3: Uh, no, as a matter of fact, the annual Western Road Races fall on my birthday each year. <laughs> as a reporter, you should recall that I won both last year and the year before.
2: Oh, yeah, sure. Well, happy birthday, Mr. Durbin, and uh, good luck. Well, is that all you want? That's all I need to know. Thanks. <laughs>
1: Act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment.
7: No folklore could be all boastful and dynamic. Some of it is about the man at the bottom of the pile. Like the one they tell of the traveler who just had to get across a river. He argued with the boatman, but that boatman wasn't about to move. Nope, not with the spring thaw making it a mighty ugly river. The traveler was insistent. Finally, the boatman agreed. But it was going to cost a whole quarter to get across.
4: But I ain't got but 15 cents. You gotta take me for that. Your regular fare's only 10 cents.
7: The boatman stood firm.
6: I ain't going, that's all. Anybody that ain't got but 15 cents, it just don't make no difference which side of the river he's on anyhow.
7: (laughs) Folklore belongs to every nation's legendary past. And I guess we Americans have our share of some good ones. Like the one about... Ah, But we'll have to save that one for the next time we travel your way then. And now,
1: act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the poor little rich girl matter. Expense account item five, six dollars even, taxi fare to
2: the office of Attorney Crane Collins, with whom I could now agree on one point. I didn't like Peter Durbin either. It was 6.15 after hours when I entered the office of Collins, Douglas, Walsh, Hanley, and James. The senior partner was still there. His door was slightly ajar, and I heard voices, which stopped abruptly when I entered.
6: Oh, Mr. Dollar, rather late in the day, isn't it?
2: I don't keep office hours, Mr. Collins. I'm very busy. Then I'll wait.
6: Very well, as you wish.
2: I wished, so I waited. But not for long, because about three minutes later, Collins came out, carefully closed the door of his office behind him and strode easily toward me, oozing his most charming professional smile.
6: Now, Mr. Dollar, what can I do for you?
2: Why didn't you tell me the first time I was here that Peter Durbin, in addition to being a first-class golfer, was also a racing enthusiast?
6: Why, it just didn't occur to me.
2: Do you know any insurance company in the world that would issue a $200,000 policy on a man who risks his life in a racing car?
6: Then your company will not issue the policy? What do you think?
2: Now tell me something. Who is Eric?
6: Eric? That's right. Well the name is not familiar to me
2: now look mr collins i have a feeling that even you will admit that withholding information in connection with a possible murder is punishable by law
6: fact i am fully aware of that but i fail to see what that what are you doing
2: you didn't invite me into your office i just wondered why is all have you no ethics man cynthia durbin was in there a few minutes ago wasn't she
6: mr dollar wasn't she if it is the intention of your company not to issue the insurance to my client, I will so inform her, and that will end the matter so far as you are concerned. Now, please be good enough to leave.
2: You really don't know or care what's going on, do you? You You're so wrapped up in the letter of the law that preventing a possible murder doesn't even occur to you.
6: Another one of your feelings? Well, I don't have the remotest idea what you're talking about. Good night, Mr. Dollar.
2: Good night, Mr. Collins. Expense account item six, $9.50. Cocktails and dinner. I should have written my report negative and hightailed it back to Hartford. But when you see in your mind's eye the possibility of a racing car careening off the road at 125 miles an hour exactly two weeks from now, you don't just stick to business and call it quits. Eric, wherever he tended bar, was the key. But how to find it? I was on dessert in the evening paper, giving my subconscious mind a chance to work it out when all of a sudden I was looking at it on the Society page.
3: Expense
2: account item 7, $19, including taxi fare to Los Angeles Police Headquarters, where I had a pleasant chat with the captain on duty. Then a tuxedo rental in the same taxi to the Statler Hotel. A special pass let me in as guest at a crowded and bejeweled Society Benefit. Enjoying the party, Mr. Collins?
6: Dollar, what are you doing here?
2: Enjoying the party, too. Have Mr. and Mrs. Durbin arrived?
6: You are the most annoyingly persistent individual I have ever... Please, please, no compliments. See you later.
2: Mm. After a few minutes, I spotted her, dressed to the teeth. She turned suddenly and saw me. I expected surprise, chagrin, fear, most anything but what I got.
5: I am glad to see you. I was such a bore this afternoon. Forgive me.
2: Well, your exit was rather sudden.
5: (laughs) My headache's all gone. Isn't that wonderful? Fine. Will you dance with me? Pleasure. Dollar. That's such an exciting name.
2: Is your husband with you tonight?
5: No. Poor dear. He's playing in a golf tournament and has to get his rest.
2: You came alone?
5: Yes. Don't you find it warm in here, all these people? Let's go out on the terrace, hmm?
2: Sure, why not? Once more I was following her. And it was just as interesting as the first time. But my mind and eyes were elsewhere. Somewhere in this crowd was the Eric I was looking for. He had to be. Then I spotted him. 35, big and broad, hawk-nosed, circling toward the terrace from the left. She threaded her way to a potted palm in a far corner of the terrace, turned and looked at me. Her eyes were feverishly bright in the moonlight. She was beautiful.
8: You're a
5: very charming man, Johnny. I wish...
2: You wish what? Mm
5: -hmm. Do you find me interesting? You haven't answered my question.
2: Oh, I find you interesting, Cynthia... Who is Eric? Eric. The man you went to see this afternoon after you left me.
5: This afternoon?
2: You know who I'm talking about. Because you and Eric, I don't know how, were planning to kill your husband two weeks from now and collect $200,000 insurance. Two weeks from now in the road race. Make it look like an accident, no doubt. No,
5: Eric, no!
2: I ducked and whirled around as a fist grazed past my ear and brought up one from the floor with all I had. Cynthia stood there a moment, then quietly folded up and lay on the floor in a heap
6: sobbing. Oh, there you are, Dollar. What have you done to this poor girl and that man?
2: Very simple, Collins.
6: I've been
2: combining feel and fact. The house and I got them out of there. Hawk nose to police headquarters, Cynthia to a hospital. Eric turned out to be a quack psychiatrist who preyed on unstable rich women and who was wanted in both New York and Florida. He had a perfect setup in Cynthia Durbin until he went for murder and the big money. Mrs. Durbin, well, the doctors tell me she ought to be normal mentally in a couple of years with proper psychiatric treatment. Expense account total $317.75. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: star will return in just a moment
9: our flag now numbers 50 stars and behind each star there stands yet another flag representing one of the 50 states north carolina state flag bears the initial of her name on either side of a white star above on a yellow scroll is the date may 20th 1775 below on a similar scroll is the date april 12th 1776 the 1775 date stands for an Early Declaration of Independence, known as the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence. April 12, 1776 was the date of the first constitutional convention held in Halifax. The Halifax Resolve was a document that placed the Old North State in the front rank, both in point of time and spirit among those colonies which demanded unconditional freedom and absolute independence from any foreign power. North Carolina state flag, the flag of the 12th state and of the union, was adopted on March 9th,
2: 1885.
1: Now, here's our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, a
2: beautiful yacht, a beautiful, charming girl, and a man who wished he'd never heard of either of them. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Duff.
0: This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. Policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
10: From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar.
11: Johnny, this is Byron Kay at Intercoastal Maritime and Life in Boston. Hello, boy. Remember Hurricane Audrey?
2: Back in the latter part of June? Sure, must have hit your company pretty hard.
11: Yes, But if anybody ever needed help, it was those people down in Louisiana and neighboring states. Yeah. So we've paid up the claims just as fast as they've come in. Except for one.
2: Oh, what's that?
11: One we received only a couple of days ago.
2: Okay, bye. Give me the dope and I'll head for Louisiana on the first plane.
11: Wrong direction, Johnny.
2: Huh? Texas? No. Oklahoma? Arkansas?
11: Buffalo, New York. What? And I think you'd better run over here and let me give you some facts.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd better.
10: Bailey in the exciting adventures of a man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And now, Act One of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Intercoastal Maritime and Life Insurance Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Charmona matter. Expense account item 1, 1845. Plain fare and incidentals Hartford to Boston and a cab to Byron Kay's office in the Little Building.
11: Glad to see you, Johnny. Hi. I'm glad you can take this on for me. Uh, Sit down. Okay. Okay, thanks. Ever hear of Charles Francis Keeley? Uh, Keeley? A very much reformed man, Johnny, who was apparently making a valiant try to live down some of the things he did earlier in his life. Like what? Well, he was a... I guess you'd call him a promoter, stock manipulator, that sort of thing. The point is, he made himself a lot of money a few years back until the authorities, the Securities Exchange Commission and so forth, put a stop to his fancy dealing. Sounds like a real nice guy. In any event, he had enough money by the time he quit to live pretty well. Nice home, beautiful wife, 62-foot cruiser, and that, by the way, is our biggest problem. Oh, I wish my biggest problem was a 62-foot cruiser. It is, Johnny. Now... Then tell me all. Yes. Early in June, he took his boat across Lake Erie to Detroit to have some work done on it at the Detroit Yacht Basin. Then... A couple of days before the end of the month, he started back for Buffalo.
2: Oh, yeah, that hurricane was moving north about then, wasn't
11: it? Yes, it was. And his failure to appear in Buffalo within a reasonable time didn't worry his wife a bit. Often before making that same trip, he'd stopped off in Cleveland to visit some of his old cronies. Uh But by July 20th, she began to get worried. She called the friends in Cleveland. They hadn't seen him. Then she called the Coast Guard. No word. No word. A few days later, a couple of the life preservers from his boat washed up on the south shore of Erie near the little town of Lindsay. Ah, That enough for you, Johnny? How much insurance did he carry? On himself, 35000 On the boat, 106000 I
2: see. Okay, bye. I'm on my way. Expense account item two, transportation to Buffalo, where I signed in at the Stadler Hotel. Item 3, 520 for dinner. Then taxi, that's item 4, to the Keeley home north of Delaware Park on Colvin Avenue. I don't know just what I'd expected Keeley's wife to look like. Suffice it to say, I was pleasantly surprised. She was young, tall, blonde, and beautiful, with eager, sparkling eyes and none of the signs of grief I'd anticipated.
12: I don't know why you registered at the hotel, Johnny. May I call you, Johnny?
2: Why, uh, sure.
12: Please call me Mona. May I pour you another drink?
8: No, no thanks.
12: As I started to say, you could have stayed here. There's plenty of room, as you can see.
2: Ah, uh, yes, yes. This is a very beautiful house, uh, Mona.
12: Yes, but so, so empty now. I get terribly lonely, Johnny.
2: Well, I, uh, of course, I don't blame you. But now, suppose we talk, if you don't mind, about the. Johnny, thing if
12: I... you have to be around for a few days, why don't you move out of that hotel and. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. I... guess I'm just... I'm sorry. It's all right. But I am lonely.
2: Sure, sure. Now, Mona, you realize this investigation is, uh... Well, it's just routine.
12: Of course, Johnny.
2: Now, as I understand, every effort has been made to find your husband.
12: Of course. And to find the Charmona. Charmona? The cruiser. Oh, yes, yes. It was a beautiful thing, Johnny. But now it's gone... And Paul. Paul? Yes, Paul Matthews was the pilot. Only he was more than that. He He was very nice.
11: Yeah. Well, now, as I...
12: Oh, excuse me. Every time that phone rings, I, I hope it's some word, some news that perhaps... Well, you know.
2: I'm not sure that I do. What? But by all means, answer it.
12: Yes, yes, excuse me.
2: There was something distinctly wrong with this whole setup, that was for sure.
12: The Coast Guard, yes. Yes, this is she. This is Mona Keeley.
2: Perhaps Charles Keeley wasn't the only one in this family to arouse suspicion. What? Say that again. Especially now, with nearly $150,000 involved.
12: Yes, well, how about Paul? I said, how about Paul?
2: Then, when she finally finished with the phone call, came a couple of other surprises.
12: Thank you. Thank you. Johnny, he's all right. Huh? That was the Coast Guard. They found him. He's all right. Isn't it wonderful?
2: That was the real surprise. Not what she said, isn't it wonderful, nor even the way she said it, but something deep back in her eyes that gave her away, that told me beyond a shadow of a doubt that she was lying through her teeth. (laughs)
13: Two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. It is a rare event when a young man decides to leave civilization behind and hide himself away in the steaming jungle just so he can help his fellow humans in a remote corner of the world. The late Dr. Tom Dooley did just that when he left the United States to help the sick and starving jungle people in the little kingdom of Laos in Southeast Asia. Dr. Dooley's story is well known to nearly everyone. And all over the world, people talk of his little jungle hospital on stilts. That's where he treated the dread diseases of the jungle and trained native medical technicians so that they might help their own people. Dr. Dooley wrote and lectured to many people so that the work of his medical assistance program, Medico, might go on. It was not easy for someone so young and so talented to give up the bright lights of the city and plant himself down in an unknown jungle just for the purpose of helping unfortunate people he didn't even know. But through Medico, Dr. Tom Dooley wanted to help people. He wanted to help people to help themselves. Today, the work of Medico is going forward in a number of countries besides Laos, Young men are being sent to the United States to be schooled in medicine with the idea of returning to their own countries to help their own people. Hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of medical supplies have been donated by American businessmen and pharmaceutical companies. Today, Dr. Tom Dooley's work is being continued for him. It is helping to create better understanding. It is an injection of the spirit of freedom. The right of all men, everywhere. And now, act two of
10: yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the Charmona matter.
2: The news that her husband was still alive came as quite a surprise to Mona Keely. Isn't it wonderful, she said. But I didn't believe that she meant it.
8: On
12: the south shore of the Lake Johnny, near the little town of Lindsay, west of Cleveland... He was picked up on the beach by a farmer who's been caring for him ever since.
2: Isn't it kind of funny that you haven't heard from him before? That hurricane was a couple of months ago.
12: Well, he was out of his mind from the shock of what happened to him.
2: Did the Coast Guard say anything about the yacht?
12: No, Johnny. I'm afraid that Charmona is at the bottom of Lake Erie. Where is he now? In Cleveland, in a small private hospital.
2: Well, hadn't you better go over there and get him, bring him back here?
12: I told the Coast Guard we would.
2: Mona... You're not really glad that he's been found, that he's still alive, are you?
12: No, I'm not. I guess I never really loved Charles. I'm not sure he really loved me. He was a big shot always out in the town, doing a lot of entertaining, that sort of thing. I was well, I was very pretty then. Kind of a business asset for him.
2: When were you and Charles married, Mona?
12: Nine years ago.
2: It looks as though he's done pretty well by you.
12: I never had any reason to complain. About that, I mean. But the things he did to make his money, it was... Well, I guess it was legal, but it wasn't right. It was uh, almost like stealing, the way he promoted a lot of worthless inventions, penny stocks, worthless real estate, that sort of thing. But he always did all right. And you. Well, who worries about conscience when things are going well?
2: A lot of people, Mona.
12: But then they made him stop his... Stop the things he was doing. And Charles became very strange. He took up religion like a fanatic. Oh. Kept giving his money away to a lot of crazy charities. Money I could have used. And he got moody. He'd go off alone for weeks at a time, pay no attention to me. That's what I meant when I said I was lonely, Johnny. Not just since the accident that lost the boat and... And Paul. Paul again, huh? Don't you understand these crazy things have been going on for over a year now? That's why I'm not jumping with joy that Charles is alive. Do you blame me?
2: hadn't we better drive on over to Cleveland and get him?
12: All right. I'll run upstairs and change my clothes. Excuse me. I'll be ready in a minute.
2: Maybe I should have felt a bit more sympathetic, but I didn't. Maybe Charles Keeley did marry her simply because he could afford to keep a smart, pretty ornament around at his beck and call. Yeah, but the chances were she'd married him solely for the things his money could buy her. She took a long time changing her clothes, which didn't surprise me, so I poured myself a drink. I glanced over some of the magazines on the coffee table. I got up and stared out of the window for want of something better to do. Wandered about the room. Wandered into the oak paneled den. I looked over the shelves of fine books, the gun collection, and the cabinet in the corner. And almost idly, I reached out toward the leather top desk to shove back a slip of paper that stuck out of one of the drawers. Until I saw what it was. It was an unpaid bill, several months old, from an exclusive New York shop for some very expensive gowns. And inside, the drawer was packed with unpaid bills, thousands of dollars' worth of them, and statements bearing a polite, firm warning to pay up or else. No wonder Keeley's sweet, charming wife had hoped she'd never hear from him again. Gone, he was worth $35,000 to her, and the yacht $106,000. Perhaps somehow, Mona Keeley had even had a hand in the wrecking of that yacht. I wondered and I decided I didn't care much for people like this. But my meditations were suddenly interrupted by a sound from the doorway, and there she stood, a pretty little pearl-handled twenty-five caliber coat and a dainty gloved hand.
12: I'm ready, Johnny. Are you...
2: So I see. Ready for what, Mona?
12: I guess that depends, doesn't it? <laughs>
14: Three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. Our flag now numbers 50 stars, and behind each star there stands yet another flag representing one of the 50 states. Wisconsin's state flag bears the state motto, Forward, and a likeness of the state mascot, the Badger. The word Badger was a nickname for the miners in southwest Wisconsin. During the mining boom just prior to 1830, the people who came from Illinois mined only during the good season and left during the bad. They were called suckers, just like the fish in the streams. But the busy Wisconsinites, with either too little time to leave or to build a house, moved into abandoned mine shafts to live as badgers. The Wisconsin banner pays tribute to these industrious natives. Wisconsin's state flag, the flag of the 30th state to enter the Union, was adopted on April 26, 1913. And now, act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the Charmona Matter.
10: Mona Keeley stood there in the door of the den, a twenty-five caliber
2: colt in her hand. For she'd caught me going through the drawer of a desk, through papers that showed only too clearly why the loss in a storm of a $100,000 yacht might well have been carefully planned. Why she wished that her husband had gone down with it.
12: You shouldn't have done it, Johnny. You shouldn't have looked in that desk.
2: Pretty good proof, isn't it, Mona, that the wreck of the Charmona was no accident. I don't know how your husband worked it and still managed to get back to shore alive. You
12: don't know what you're talking about. But
2: he almost didn't make it, if what you've told me is the truth. Maybe that's because he didn't anticipate that the storms from Hurricane Audrey would hit Lake Erie. Maybe it's because... Well, we'll soon find out.
12: Will you? Yes,
2: when we drive over to the hospital in Cleveland and talk with him, if he's really there.
12: Oh, he's there, all right. And you and I are going for a drive, but not to Cleveland. All right,
2: now. Oh, put that thing down, Mona.
12: Sorry, sweetheart. That little
2: thing in your hand is about as accurate as a slingshot. Now, why don't you... No,
12: don't move.
2: I still don't get it, though.
12: Oh? What?
2: And I'm sure you must have been in with your husband on his deliberate sinking of the yacht.
12: If you think Charles sank it deliberately, Johnny, you're all wrong.
2: Then I certainly don't get it. Because if... Oh, now, wait a minute. You've made a couple of cracks about, what was his name, Paul?
12: Do you want to know the truth? Paul was the pilot for Charles, and there's been no word about him. So he must have gone down with the Charmona. That's why I'm lonely and feel the way I do.
2: Mona, this whole thing smells worse to
12: me every minute. He was young, and he was kind, and he loved me. I was glad when they found the Charmona had gone down, because the money for it would be mine. And I could get free of Charles, and Paul and I could... That's why I hoped Charles was gone.
2: Yeah, another thirty-five thousand dollars for you. You're about the crummiest lot I've ever run into. Look at this, Mona, here on the desk. What? This solid gold table lamp. What about and it? And there, beside you, that expensive mirror. What
12: are you talking about? Well, look. Why did you do that?
2: To get this gun off oh, you. No, you.
12: Oh, oh, you.
2: A lot of good this would have done you with the safety on.
12: I'll kill you for this, Johnny. No,
2: I don't think so, and I don't think the police would like it if you tried.
12: Oh no. Do you think they'd blame me for trying to stop you from going through the papers in my desk? For shooting you? No. Wait. I didn't mean that. I couldn't have shot you, Johnny. I... Johnny?
2: Before we go, is there anything you'd like to tell me?
12: Go? Where?
2: Is there anything you'd like to tell me about why Charles really sank the charmola?
12: No. And I don't think you'll ever know how and why the Charmona went down. Want
2: a bet? No, no, stay right there. Now I've got the gun, remember? Hello?
8: What? Charlie? No.
2: This is a friend of the family.
8: Oh. Well, this is Harry Nelson. He gave me a real start. I thought Charlie'd come back from his watery grave. He
2: has, Mr. Nelson. What? Yes, he's in a Cleveland hospital. He's
10: okay.
8: Well then, I'll talk to him when he gets back. You see, I'm the man who was going to give him ninety-eight thousand for the Charmona when he got her back from Detroit.
10: Oh, oh, yeah, sure.
8: But since the Coast Guard tells me she was a complete loss, well, naturally I think I'll have my deposit back.
2: I'm sure you'll get it, Mr. Nelson.
8: Yeah. Okay, Mr. Uh, uh, what did you say your name is? By. Who was that?
2: Someone who threw some very interesting light on this whole matter. Come on. Where? Our little drive, remember, to Cleveland. During the five-hour drive to Grace Hospital on the outskirts of Cleveland, I questioned her, using every trick I could, but she refused to talk. The theory that Charles Keeley had deliberately sunk his yacht had gone up in smoke. If he had a buyer for it, he wouldn't need to try to collect the insurance on it. But I still knew the whole case was anything but Lily White, and hoped that Keeley could explain a few things. When we arrived at the hospital, there was a police lieutenant in Keeley's room and a stenographer. When she saw them, Mona gasped slightly and sank into a chair, to which the lieutenant promptly handcuffed her. As Charles Keeley talked, the whole case became crystal clear, and at the same time about as sordid as anything I'd ever heard.
8: I should have realized what was up when Paul Matthews suddenly refused to make the trip back to Buffalo with me. He was my pilot, lieutenant. I phoned the Coast Guard about him as soon as... Yes, sir, it was on the Coast Guard's tip that we ordered Paul Matthews picked up.
12: Picked up? Then he's all right.
8: Shut
11: her up lieutenant, or get her out of here. As I started to say, they not only picked him up, but found where he bought the various parts for the little, uh, device he used. Good. Device? What are you talking about, lieutenant?
8: Let me tell him.
11: Sure, go ahead, Mr. Cayley. The stenographer sonographer will have it all down on the record.
8: I should have known what was up when Paul suddenly decided not to go back with me just before sailing time. You see, I have suspected for some months that he and my wife behind my back... Shut up, you rotten little... Go on, Mr. Keating. I... I should have known then, but I had to get the cruiser back to Buffalo to a friend who'd offered me cash for it. Harry Nelson. Yes. Enough to get me back on my feet again. And I didn't know why Paul had left me to make the trip alone until the explosion about five hours out. What? Yes, Mr. Dollar, up forward, where there couldn't possibly have been anything explosive. A bomb of some sort? What else, Dollar? It was luck, sheer luck, that I was sailing in close, that I'd put on a life preserver because of the storm.
11: That was the tail end of the hurricane down south, you understand?
8: Yes, and it was luck that she went down right off Palace Rock.
11: Yeah, that's exactly where the Coast Guard divers found her early this morning. A hole as big as a house blown out of her front end.
8: Yes, that storm, that hurricane, may have taken a lot of lives, but it saved mine.
10: All I can say is
2: I'm glad there are courts to take care of situations like this. I myself would hate to have to dirty my hands any further. Yeah, it probably does take all kinds to make a world. But believe me, the world would be a lot better off without some of those kinds. The claim on the yacht, sure, it'll have to be paid. And to a man I honestly think is trying to live a decent life for a change. Expense account total including incidentals and the trip back to Hartford, 103.80. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.